This episode of Austinpreneur kicks off a special season focused on dual-use defense innovation. We'll cover a range of topics from artificial intelligence to cybersecurity, geopolitics to the legislative affairs of the intelligence community. All the conversations in the special season were recorded at Capital Factory's Cornerstone Defense Innovation Summit, Fed Supernova. You can learn more and be a part of the next Fed Supernova by visiting fedsupernova.com. When I was CEO of McAfee, I was beginning to get glimpses of major government on commercial types of cyber attacks. And they've been going on here and there for a long time. But if you remember the history of mankind is whenever mankind finds a new domain, land, oceans, airspace, then cyberspace, we have conflicts over it. And so as cyberspace began to grow, we saw more and more conflict happening. But for the first time, we started to see a major campaign by a country Mm. to steal innovation out of another country. Mm. In fact, if you ever hear uh, of a gentleman named General Keith Alexander, he was the first U.S. Cyber Command leader, head Mm. of the NSA. He called it the greatest wealth transfer in history. And so when I was at McAfee, we started getting glimpses of Chinese PLA, People's Liberation Army, stealing IP source code out of high-tech companies. The first one was called Aurora, kind of a famous cyber attack. The second one was called Night Dragon, and the third was called Shady Rat for remote access tool. These three attacks really opened up the aperture of our understanding in the private sector to the breadth and depth of these attacks. Aurora affected 153 companies, stole source code out of companies like Google and others. Google pulled out of China at the time because of all the things that went on. It was a major event. Night Dragon happened right after that. Shady Rat right after that, affecting hundreds of companies with what's called an advanced persistent threat. Mm. Later on, I realized like this was a seminal moment in the history of cyber to watch such high espionage at scale by a government stealing from America. And didn't make me happy, pissed me off, right? right? So, you know, eventually I joined and had McAfee help and then FireEye help. And then I really dedicated myself at Night Dragon to do investments in advisory. And I had a choice, could I name it Aurora, Night Dragon, or Shady Rat? Shady Rat didn't seem so good. And Aurora was pretty cool, Yeah, Night Dragon seemed really cool. Welcome to Austinpreneur, our show about the stories that made Austin, Texas a global hub for startups. The show is produced by Capital Factory and hosted by me, Nick Spiller. As a reminder, by joining Capital Factory, you can plug into the ecosystem where the stories on the show were set. Learn more about us at CapitalFactory.com. Our guest for this first episode in our Dual Use series is cybersecurity expert Dave DeWalt. Dave is currently CEO and founder of Night Dragon, where they invest in and advise mission-driven, leading companies in the cybersecurity, safety, security, and privacy market. Building up to the creation of Night Dragon, Dave played critical roles across the cybersecurity industry. First is the CEO of Documentum, which sold to EMC for $1.7 billion, as well as being the CEO of McAfee, which sold to Intel for over $7 billion. 
Today, Dave is also a board member at Delta Airlines and has served in the National Security Telecommunications Advisory Council under the last three U.S. presidents. Nick, first of all, thanks for having me. It's great to be back in Austin here. And uh, it's been a little while since I've been here. As I mentioned, um, South by Southwest was really fun this year where we had cybersecurity and music and art all coming together here in Austin. It's great to be back. We're fed supernova as well. You know, I've been in I've been in high tech now for 30 plus years and uh, engineering, computer science background and just fell in love with technology. And then ultimately fell in love with like how technology could be hacked. And ultimately the uh, cyber domain itself is really where I, I spent my, my time. But my first introduction is a, is a good story. I was CEO of a company called Documentum. And you would wonder like, how's that with security? But Documentum was a company that did document management software, secure document management software, sold a lot to the government. We ended up selling the company to EMC, a storage company. And within the first month that we got acquired at Documentum, they acquired a company called RSA. And RSA is kind of famous. A lot of people know RSA for the little RSA tokens and the whole thing. The big conference, right? And it's a big conference, yeah. RSA conference as well. And ultimately, um, I had a chance to run some of the sales and management of that. And all of a sudden there were some hacks on RSA and it was just really interesting time. This was back, you know, 2003, 2004. Mm -hmm. So the cyber domain hadn't really begun to blossom like it is now, but it gave me clues to what was starting to happen in crime and espionage around the world. Mm -hmm. And that really intrigued me. So when I left my role at EMC as president there, uh, I joined as CEO of McAfee. And McAfee was, uh, at the time, one of the biggest cyber companies and did a lot of work in the uh, antivirus space at the time, which was really the only big sector of cyber. And then I just had a front row seat to crime and espionage and terrorism, warfare and hacktivism and all things happening online. And we could talk about worms and viruses and Trojans coming out our ears, but I was was hooked at that point, right? Mm -hmm. The mission, the opportunity, the growth of the market, and then one company after another after that. And I've spent now the last 20 years of my career dedicated to national security and cybersecurity. Dave has watched the cybersecurity space grow from the early days of the consumer internet. As you'll hear in this next part of our conversation, Dave describes the fast moving nature of cybersecurity through the concept of cyber super cycles. There's these cycles of threats. So if you look over the last 20 years, uh, the threat environment has been steady and up to the right, as we all know, but there's been explosions of threat environments over the last 20 years. So initially, there was a lot of what we called like quantity-based attacks. These were like viruses, right? Made famous antivirus virus. And we were starting to see many, many viruses on like an hourly basis almost. At the time I left McAfee, we had signatures like antivirus signatures for 68 million viruses. So just take that in for a minute, 68 million viruses, right? So you imagine in the physical world, if there were 68 million viruses, there'd be a serious problem. And so in the computer world, watching that grow from a couple of viruses to 68 million parasitic polymorphic type viruses, you watch the quantity game of viruses grow out, worms, mm. Trojans, mm. viruses, etc. But then crime started to happen, right? People started doing commerce online. 
and you started to watch, you know, real, you know, victims of crime. And then we started to watch government on commercial attacks. China made famous for this. A lot of, in fact, my name of my company, Night Dragon, comes from a famous espionage set of attacks China did in the United States. And so there's just a lot of growth of what's happened and these cycles that were occurring each time we watched a new entrant into the cyber market, the market would grow. So when I was there, it was a couple billion dollar market, might sound like a lot, but now it's a 400 billion a year market. But here's the probably the biggest thing, Nick, the losses this past year were six trillion. So imagine a balance sheet where you have 400 billion to spend and six trillion of losses. This is the current state of cyber. So the constant growth of the threat, constant issues around the world, growing and growing, growing, everything's digitally enabled at this point. So cyber has become a monster market and will probably continue to grow. Grows about four times faster than IT already. And there's no end in sight to that. The cycles are faster and steeper than they've ever been before. This technology's inertia goes so much faster. Mm -hmm. So like back in 1999, 2000, we all remember the internet comes out, right? And all of a sudden everybody's connected online. It took a little while for bad people to start doing bad things online. But every year it goes faster and faster. When we were, when I was CEO of FireEye and we had Mandiant where we do incident response, we tracked about 800 bad actor groups, which may sound like a lot, but 800 groups. Today, just four years later, there's 3,500 groups. That's more groups doing bad things than there are cyber companies doing good things. It's only about 3,000 cyber companies, 3,500 bad actors. These are permanent groups doing crime and espionage, terrorism, warfare, attack kind of model. Last year alone, Nick, there was 953 net new actor groups identified by their TDPs or their techniques and procedures. And so to watch the growth of the bad guys is unbelievable. So the cycles, because there's so many bad actors and no one's arresting them because of anonymity and privacy and issues around the world, a lot of them are harbored in North Korea or Iran or Russia or China, is very difficult to get rid of the bad actors. Therefore, the market keeps going, the cycles go faster. Now you enter 2023 and this little buzzword called AI showed up, generative AI, right? ChatGPT, you might've heard of it. And it creates a whole nother tailwind to all these attacks and opportunities that are going on. So cycles faster, steeper, grows the market more. Earlier this year, the world heard the story of the Chinese spy balloon over the United States. If you're in the cybersecurity or defense innovation space, you've been hearing stories about international IP espionage and state-sponsored cybersecurity attacks for much longer. Dave joined the fight on this new battleground early on and has dedicated his work at Night Dragon to it. Night Dragon's an investment and advisory firm. We focus in on cyber, safety, security, and privacy. Got to have a good acronym for everything, CSSP. <laughs> but cyber is one piece, but defense tech is another area. But safety tech, privacy tech are other areas, CSSP. And we really focus in on looking at the biggest threats, the biggest issues in the world, and then we try to find tech that can meet that threat. Cyber space was kind of its own domain for a while, right? So the conflicts in there were relegated to things happening on the internet, then the dark net, the surface net and the dark net, and attacks at scale on the internet, largely cyberspace. What have we watched the last two or three years and now the future? Cyber's everywhere. 
it's ubiquitous. So what did we just watch at DevCon developer conference right after Black Hat two weeks ago? A hackathon on AI and a hackathon on satellites. So space has become a frontier for cyber. What are the Russians playbook right now? Try to knock out the satellites. Biosat was one of the famous ones beginning of the Ukrainian conflict. And Starlink has been dealing with this others. So cyber has become part of every other domain now. And because it's digital, warfighter projects that we have, supply chain, industrial networks, blockchain networks. I mean, it's everywhere at this point. So what should entrepreneurs be thinking? If you're not thinking hardening with cyber as part of whatever solution you have in robotics or AI or space or air or counter UAV, whatever it might be, your product could be vulnerable. And if your product's vulnerable for a defense product, yeah, that's not a really problem. product. It's not really a product. Right. So cyber first, cyber all the time is a bit of the mantra you have to have. Mm-hmm. That's what the government's starting to see now. We have to harden these defenses. And now in the era of EW and AI, EW being electronic warfare along with artificial intelligence, electronic warfare has become, I got to harden my product from electromagnetic interference, microwave interference, in addition to hacking things as well. It, this is all integrated into solutions at this point. As a CEO for the last 20 years, I, I teach other CEOs one really important mantra. I call it know your window, right? And know your window is you got to know what your window is that you can execute within. Mm. Because when I first joined FireEye, for example, it was a relatively small company. There was five or six competitors all about the same size. So what was going to make the difference between, at the time, FireEye versus Dumbala versus Fidelis versus Lastline, companies you might have heard of, it, could be, it was go-to-market. If you can hyperscale your company in the window, mm. you can have greatness happen. Right. So we were able to scale FireEye from about $10 million in revenue to a billion in revenue in four years, mm. taking advantage of that window. But by the time four years came around, a lot of competitors started to show up. Right. So you get windows of opportunity in cyber because the threat cycle drives an opportunity. And if you can take advantage of that opportunity, you can make your company worth billions. At one point, FireEyes were 16 billion. So, you know, this is an opportunity that you see, but it doesn't last forever. It's not like a Salesforce building CRM where it could last decades or, you know, people's off come work day with HR systems. This cyber world goes quick and fast, huge opportunities to grow but huge risk as well. And we have a very unique, very proprietary deal sourcing platform at Night Dragon as well. Uh, it's one of the reasons we're here at Fed Supernova, but very close relationships with the government, not just the United States government, governments around the world. Uh, we study the threats and risks that are happening. So what really um, got me onto this market segment, not just the generative AI was a big deal, but we saw a particular Iranian nation state attacker essentially poisoning models in open source platforms around AI. So when you start to see an attacker at a nation state level doing poisoning into the models with obfuscation of command and control servers in the model itself, Mm -hmm. you're pretty advanced. This isn't just, uh, you know, like some sort of weight and balance of the algorithm or jailbreaking of the LLM. We're talking full intrusion, intrusion into the model 
with obfuscation of a command and control server to do full data exfiltration. Whole new offense. This like, is a whole new offense done by an actor that's not even ranked in the top 10 in cyber. Right. So mm -hmm. you start to see that, you Disruptive, realize yeah. the risk is coming. And when you start to see that, we feel like a night dragon, we gotta go find a company who can solve that problem. There's an outstanding company here, I'll put a plug in for them right out of Capital Factor called Hidden Layer, who has uh, done a world-class job of using AI to defend AI, right? which is what we need. Right. And so uh, the team that's here at Capital Factory did a great job in helping to see threats, understand threats. But if you look at the life cycle for a second, Nick, this whole development world is one place we need help because like shift left of dev sec areas, developer security mm -hmm. area, but all the way through the production of the large language models, the training of the models has to be done as well. So we need AI to essentially seal and put sensors in the AI models such that you can monitor them for behavioral disruptions. So this becomes a whole new category of AI. And so everything from development to full production across every vendor, yep. it's a huge market coming yep. and a big opportunity. So we study all that. We put a great uh, AI map out, artificial intelligence map of every sector, mm. every fund, every company. But boy, do we need to move quicker because this is a juggernaut coming fast and we have very little defense for it at the moment. And with chat GPT-5, GPT-5 coming out in October, uh, we got a whole nother genie coming out of that bottle and it's gonna be a lot more inertia. Can you imagine in 1920, if the car came out and it was a Ferrari, it could do 200 miles per hour and you just repealed prohibition and you could drive drunk and you don't have roads. I mean, this is the situation we have with AI right now, right? You have a 200 mile an hour car on roads that aren't suitable with people who don't know how to drive without a seatbelt or a safety bag or anything like that, this is AI. Yeah. And so power, it's amazing. Everybody wants a Ferrari, but at the same time, if we don't get the seatbelt and the, you know, the airbag right. and the right roads and the right structure, we get a problem. Right. And this is, this is our world. I was pleased to learn that Dave is no stranger to Austin, Texas. Before it was recognized as a global startup hub, Dave did business in Austin with our most iconic entrepreneur. Keep listening to hear stories from Dave about being business partners with Michael Dell. I remember it like yesterday. <laughs> Michael showed up just before the pandemic to RSA, yep. which is a security conference. And, you know, Michael has a lot of tech he can do and, you know, anything he wants to do in life. He came to the RSA and he wanted to learn about the hottest, coolest companies. And he came to what's called the RSA Sandbox. Yep. And in comes Michael and he sees me. We say hi. We've known each other a long time. And we sit down next to each other. And for about 15 presentations at the Sandbox, you'll have about 15 companies give like three-minute pitches. He sat there, took notes, watched every one of them, absorbed it, and was fully engaged in learning about cybersecurity innovation. Mm. For a man of his wealth, stature, and capability, to see him come to that, it tells you everything about him that right. I love. Right. He's a thinker. He's a learner. He's a constant entrepreneur. And... From the first day I met him until RSA until now, you know, you have a lot of pride in that because fame and fortune and power can change people. Right. But when it came to Michael, I've always appreciated him for wanting to learn, yeah. always thinking, always yeah. learning, being humble. Yeah. Pretty cool trait, something yeah. we all should have.
Thanks for listening to this episode of Austinpreneur. Don't forget to check out capitalfactory.com to learn more about us and join our community. If you have thoughts about the show or ideas on how we can work together, reach out to me directly via email, nickspiller at capitalfactory.com. Shout out to the Capital Factory Dream Team for making this podcast possible. And special thanks to Aaron Handworker, who masterfully recorded and edited the show.